Hi, I'm Dan, and I want to welcome you to Church Online. If it's your first time, please take a minute and fill out a quick guest link on our website after the broadcast. We would love to connect with you, no matter where you're watching from. You can also give online by going to lifechurchutah.com or by texting LCGIVE to 95577 at any time during this morning's service. Once again, thank you for making Life Church Online a part of your weekend. For more information, visit us at lifechurchutah.com. The offer now is for you to accept him and his coming into your life. And that's what we want to talk about today. I'm in this series of messages that I started uh, the second Sunday of December that I've entitled When God Shows Up. And I've been talking about different aspects of what we can expect when God shows up. Today I want to talk with you about God's fix for you this Christmas. Because as a race of people, we are broken. Our lives are broken. Our futures are broken. Our hopes are broken. But with God, through Jesus, the fix, the fix is offered. If you need for your life to have an, a fix, for, for it to be fixed... Jesus is the fix that God offers for you this Christmas, and I want to talk about that, so I invite you to pull your notes out. Before I get into that, I just want to say to you, don't forget about tonight. Tonight is Christmas Eve at 5 o'clock. In fact, thank you for being here. We got all kinds of messages from people who thought that, that uh, we were canceling this morning because we're doing tonight. No, <laughs> we are having this morning services as regular. Tonight, we're just adding on to it by offering an opportunity for us to have a Christmas communion together before the Christmas Day itself. So Christmas Eve communion. So we'll be having worship tonight at 5 o'clock, and then we'll share just a couple of moments. Then we'll be taking communion together, and we'll celebrate at the conclusion of it uh, many people who have come to Christ as Savior, Lord of their lives, and have committed themselves to Christ, and they're being baptized in water. And so if you want to be baptized in water and haven't let us know that yet, you can still sign up in the table in the main foyer here. Get your name on there, and we'll be happy to add you to the list for tonight. But we're looking forward to a marvelous time. So it starts at 5 o'clock this afternoon, and we're going to have a one-hour service. So it'll be a great blessing, a great kickoff for uh, actually Christmas Day itself. But thank you for being here today. You know, a few weeks ago in the message, uh, actually it's the first message that I preached in this series of When God Shows Up, I, I invited people who were going through a, a very tough, perhaps facing an impossible situation in their lives to come forward. They felt like they needed prayer, they needed an impossible, uh, they needed a miracle over an impossibility that they were dealing with. And when I made that invitation in both services, the front was just loaded with people and I had someone later that week comment to me how surprised they were at how many people came forward for prayer. And I just replied back to them and said, you know, there's a lot of pain in the world. There's a lot of hurt in the world. There's a lot of things that people are dealing with in the world. And that's the reason why so many people came forward for special prayer. Three weeks ago, we hadn't quite started the series yet, but we had a special guest with us. His name was Ken Summers. And some of you will remember him. If you were here, you won't forget that day because he was a, an athlete, a, a marathon runner in incredible physical condition. But I believe it was 2013, in the summer of 2013, he was hit by a mosquito that carried the West Nile virus. And that virus nearly killed him. Today, he still walks with a cane and sometimes with a walker. 
And he shared his testimony of the faithfulness of God to see him through that, those tragic events, that tragic event in his life, the, the near taking of his life. In fact, you might recall some of the pictures if you were here, some of those pictures of how he looked in the hospital. He looked emaciated, much like somebody who came out of a World War II Nazi concentration camp. That's how Ken looked. And, and you know, he, he made some statements in that message that have really stuck with me. One of the things that he says is, we all face unplanned tragedies and challenges in life. And, and I think the key to that is the word un, unplanned. We, we, they, they aren't planned. We think it's always going to happen to somebody else or, or that uh, it, it just will never come close to us. They're unplanned tragedies or challenges that we face in life. And then he went on to say these words, which I think are so true. He says, you're either coming out of a trial or you're in a trial right now or you're getting ready to step into a new trial. That's the way life is. You're either coming out of one, you're in one right now, or shortly you're going to be in one. You're getting ready to move into a trial or a challenge situation within your life. And that's probably not news that we want to hear, but it is nonetheless true. We're either coming out of something, we're either in something, or we're getting ready to go into something. You're in one of those three categories. But what I want you to understand is that in Christ, because of Jesus Christ, there is also hope no matter what you face in your life, no matter what you're going through in your life. Even in the Christmas story, God's word is speaking to us a word of hope because throughout the word of God, he promises to help us through the toughest of life circumstances. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 15, we get an, an example of that, of that very thing. And it says here in these verses, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped, in, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, what Carrie mentioned earlier, uh, 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 the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And as I was just kind of going through the Christmas story before creating this, uh, this series of messages that we're, we've been in this month, as I was going through that and I read these verses, I really felt like God told me to share with you a message that he wants to bring a fix into your life in some very specific areas, areas that we all probably struggle with. And the first area would be the area of fear. God wants to fix your fear. 
One of the things I picked up in that story from those verses says that the shepherds were terrified. Well, you would be too, wouldn't you? You're out there minding your business with a bunch of quiet sheep. It's getting late into the night. The sky is, bright, is, is dark, you know, and, and the stars are bright. But beyond that, it's just an ordinary night. And suddenly the whole skies light up with the brilliance of God and the kingdom of God as this angelic choir, this angelic chorus begins to sing out glory to God in the highest. I tell you, that would scare, I don't care how tough you are, that would scare just about anybody. And they were terrified. God knows that we face circumstances in life that bring fear. A lot of fear sometimes, overwhelming fear. There's a lot of fear in the world right now. we got this North Korea thing going on. And there are a lot of people who are on edge over it. There's a, there's a lot of prediction about what might come out of all of this. We're, we're all going to have to wait and see what all happens. But I was listening to one news uh, reporter actually advising that our, that our Olympic team not go to South Korea for the Winter Olympics in, in February because of the threat of an attack from the North at that time. Wow, that's, that's getting right down to it, saying, hey, don't, if, I were, if I were in your shoes, I wouldn't even go, this individual said. Uh, that's, that's the kind of terror that's filling the hearts of a lot of people today. I was watching a, a very interesting television program by a man who, who does ministry on prophecy by the name of Hal Lindsey, and some of you know that name. Perhaps you listen to him on occasion as well. And he was talking about Jesus' prediction of the end of time and how he said that there will be plagues that will be upon the earth. And he said, you know, as we're getting what he believes to be closer to the coming of the Lord, we're seeing plagues beginning to re-enter into the human condition. Now, he referenced back to the Black Plague. And some of you will remember in high school history, they talked to us about the Black Plague that hit Europe back in the 1300s. I don't know if they still teach that or not, but it was taught to us when we were kids. And, and it is estimated that this plague that hit Europe in the 1300s decimated some 60% of the population of Europe at that time. Somewhere around 100 million people died because of this plague that hit in Europe. That is, to me, unimaginable that that many people could die. And we today, because of modern science, we kind of think that plagues are a thing of the past. But what we're seeing is a reemergence of some of these things in the world today. I already mentioned West Nile virus that Ken Summers had talked about. We've lost a lot of farm animals to that particular disease that have been stricken, but a lot of human beings. Most of them recover, but some do not uh, from, that, from that virus. And some of the some of them are permanently damaged, as has Ken been. But even beyond that, we, we have the emergence, remember a couple of years ago, of Ebola? Ebola swept through Western Africa. I can't even remember how many hundreds of people died anymore from, from that plague that hit that part of the world. And, and most of us remember that it even came into America, and there were a few people in America who lost their lives because uh, they had somehow come in contact with somebody who had the disease, and, and on and on he was sharing in this prophecy teaching about what we're beginning to see reemerge in the world with regards to plagues, uh, bugs that are out there that we have no 
no weapon against, that we have no antibodies to, to be able to deal with. And these are very real threats that, that are on the horizon. Well, my point is not bringing you to a point of terror here this morning, but simply to mention that there is a lot to be terrified about. There is a lot to be fearful of. We have, of course, issues with terrorists that are happening all over uh, the world right now. There's a lot that causes fear in the hearts of people. Now, maybe for you personally, it's not something, it's not fear on a global scale, but maybe it's something that's more personal to you that you're dealing with right now. It may have to do for you with a business that is failing. Or it may have to do with you about a health issue and your health is failing. Or it may have to do with some relationships uh, that are failing. And everywhere you look around you, you see things that cause you fear, that cause you terror, and it's gripped your heart as you look to the future. I know that many of you are going through great difficulty right now, and you're in an uncertain season in your life. Do you know that the Apostle Paul warned us that the closer we get to the coming of Jesus, the more this kind of thing will happen? This is what he said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days, perilous times will come. What kind of times? Perilous times. That's a King James word. I think we understand peril. We understand what perilous is. In the original Greek, what the word actually means is difficult, dangerous, fierce, even to the point of a loss of strength. Have you ever been so frightened at something in your life that you felt the strength just kind of drain right out of you? I've had that happen several times in my lifetime, where on the other side of the event, you, you say, oh my word, what could have happened? What almost happened feels like the strength just drains right out of your body. Like maybe a, it's a near miss in the car. What could have been a, a really tragic or possibly even fatal accident in your car, you know, or in some kind of a situation like that where you barely miss it. It, you, it doesn't happen, but it comes so close that on the other side of it, you just kind of collapse and, 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 and say to yourself, oh my word, what just, thank you, Jesus. What, just, you know, and it just takes the strength right out of you. That's what Paul was saying will happen in the last days. And, and, and the deal is, you know, we should take care of our bodies and everything, but what he's telling us, this kind of perilous uh, difficulty will be such that it doesn't matter how strong you are, how big your biceps are, you're not going to be able, the strength will drain right out of you because of what's happening around you. Because of things that are taking place, it's an emotional loss of strength that affects you physically. And that's the idea that Paul's talking about here. So Jesus warned that in the last days, people's hearts would fail them. Their hearts would fail them. Now we know that heart disease in America is the number one killer of Americans. But we're not talking about a natural heart disease here. Jesus was specific as to why their hearts would fail them. He said their hearts would fail them for fear. Fear will be so rampant in the world that people will lose all strength. The perilous time they're living in will drain them of strength. They'll not know how to deal with it. 
and they'll not have a resource to overcome it, perhaps even so much as taking their lives. But right here, into the reality of these perilous times that we live in, right here in the Christmas story, God says in verse 10, don't be afraid. Well, you just gave me all these reasons that I should be terrorized. And now you're telling me to not be afraid? How is that possible? How do I overcome fear? Well, I think the word of God teaches us how. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, this is a scripture that I memorized years and years ago. And it has been a bedrock for my life. If you don't know it by heart, I would suggest that you do, that you memorize it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So he gives us three things to do in this particular, these two particular verses that will help us deal with our fear. The first thing he says is trust. You've got to be a person who trusts, but not just trusting anybody. Don't just trust anything. That the word of God says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Trust him. Fear is, it, when we stay in a position of fear, it is actually revealing a lack of trust that God has your good in mind. That God has something good in store for you. That he's going to bring good out of the situation. See, some of us are trusting the wrong person. And that's why our lives are filled with fear. Some of us are trusting in the wrong thing. You're trusting your job. Man, I got this job. I got nothing to worry about. I got this business. I got nothing to worry about. I've got this relationship. I got nothing to worry about. I'm healthy and strong. I've got nothing to worry about. Your trust is in the wrong thing. It can all be gone in just a moment. And he says, trust in that which alone is stable for eternity. And that is the Lord God Almighty. Put your trust in him alone. Because if you put your trust in the wrong thing, fear will grip you. Now, it's natural for all of us to have fear in the short run. But if you're staying in fear, you're living in fear, then fear has a control over you that God never intended for it to have. And you need to get yourself into a position where you're letting the word of God build faith back into you again. In fact, one of the great scriptures that has meant so much to me through all the fearful times that I have dealt with in my life comes from the pen of the, uh, of, of the great kings, the psalmist David in Psalm 56 verse 3 where he says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. The King James, what time I am afraid, I will trust in you in thee. Listen, there's going to come a time in your life that you're going to be scared. And you may feel like you don't need God and you don't need his help and you don't need his word, but there's coming a time, I'm going to guarantee you, when only God will help you. And you're going to need his help. You're going to need him to overcome for you. I can't tell you how many times that particular verse has been the strength that has held me up in my life. Somebody said, I heard years ago, amen. Somebody said I heard years ago that there are 365 fear knots or variants of fear not in the Bible. Have you ever heard that? Uh, I've heard that taught before. 
Uh, there are 365 fear knots or variants of fear not in the Bible. In other words, there's one for every day of the year. Fear not. Boy, that's a great thought. That's a great, that's a great word, you know. So I, I did a little study on that. You know what I found out? That's not true. There aren't, there's no, there's no a translation of the Bible where there are 365 fear knots or variants of that. But what there is, when you add up all of the verses that deal with worry or all the de- verses that deal with anxiety or all the verses that deal with fear, the actual number is way beyond 365, which I think is wonderful because you and I probably need more than one fear not in any given day. We need a whole bunch of them to keep coming to us and reminding us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Years ago, uh, Carrie and I were called of the Lord to go to Colorado to help put together put back together a church that had been busted up and it had gone through a terrible split within the church family and had a big building. The sanctuary would seat a thousand people and uh, that's twice as big as, as ours and, and there was just a few folks left and they, they were in debt up to their eyeballs and they were way behind on their mortgage payments and, and so we walked into a mess. In fact, I look back on it now and I say, honey, why in the world did we ever do that? Well, we did it because God said, fear not. I'm sending you there. And so we went, and we had no idea what we were doing. We had no idea how to fix the church. We just trusted God. We just said, God, we're just going to trust you with all of our hearts in this situation. Well, I had an older woman that came to visit with me. Uh, she's in heaven today, and, and, but she came to visit with me after we had been there a couple of months. And she was, uh, she was very concerned about the financial condition of the church and so forth. And so she came in, and she sat down, and she said, well, Pastor Jim, now you know all the finances, and you know how far behind we are. They were $55,000 behind in mortgage payments at that point. You know, so this is 1988, so, you know, $1988. It was a mess, you know. And there was no way of fixing this thing up and getting it straightened around. And we just didn't have any money. We barely had enough money to pay for the light bill and so forth. And so it was just, and we just sat there and she was reiterating all of this stuff to me and she was getting depressed and getting me depressed and everything. I mean, it was quite the meeting that we had. And then she said, you know what, Pastor? I'm just so worried. I'm so scared about what's going to happen. And aren't you afraid? And I said to her, no, I'm not. You're afraid enough for both of us. I, there's no sense me joining in on this. I mean, you got it going. You got the corner on the market here going on. I said, God didn't send Carrie and me to this place to see this all fail. He didn't send us here to, to be failures on this. He sent us here to, to work through us and to work with you folks and to try to somehow see what God can do and the miracle that he, can, that he could produce in this whole thing. And I will tell you that 10 years after that conversation, that building not only was caught up in all of its payments, but that debt was completely paid off and the congregation had been restored numerically and it was a strong church and, and a vibrant church even to this day. That's what happens when you trust in the Lord. You may not see how it's going to happen, how it's going to work, but God's going to bring it to pass. Glory to his name. Hallelujah. Then in Proverbs, he says, lean, lean not to your own understanding. You know what that means. There's going to be times that you're not going to be able to figure out what God's doing. And when you can't figure out what God's doing, you're going to be tempted to think that God isn't doing anything. And so the devil will come along and he'll tell you, see, God doesn't really care. He's not doing anything. But God is saying, don't, don't believe that lie. You lean 
not on just what seems rational to you, but you lean in the right direction. That's what you and I have got to do. We've got to start learning to lean the right direction. And I want to give you three things to lean on as you enter into this new year. The first thing I want you to lean on is God's closeness, that he is with you. Hebrews 13, 5 says, for Jesus has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And there again, that's what the devil says, is that God has bailed out on you. That's why you're going through this, so you bail out on him. But it's a lie. Don't you listen to what that devil is telling you. You listen to the word of God. Let that word build strength within your own spirit. Secondly, lean on God's care. Psalm 112, verses 6 through 8 says, The believer will not be overthrown by evil circumstances. God's constant care of him will make a deep impression on all who see it. What kind of care? His constant care. It's always there. He does not fear bad news. It's talking about the believer here. Doesn't fear bad news, nor live in dread of what may happen, for he is settled in his mind that Jehovah will take care of him, and that is why he is not afraid. Hallelujah. What a great scripture to live your life by. Amen. And then number three, lean on God's control, that he's in charge. You know, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves, and the sea became completely calm. You might recall that story. It's interesting what the Greek actually says there. Uh, what you'll find in a lot of Bible translations is that he rebuked the wind and the waves. Uh, but really, the original Greek reads that Jesus stood up, and he told the waves and the wind to sit down and shut up. Kind of like you tell your kids or your grandkids to sit down and shut. And you say, well, that's kind of harsh, Pastor Jim. Well, when the waves are coming over your boat and you're about ready to sink, you don't really care about harsh. You're going you're gonna to deal with the situation. And he told them to sit down and to shut up. And in fact, I think the Message Bible gets this really well here. It says, then he stood up and told the wind to be silent, be silent, and the sea to be quiet or to quiet down. Silence, he says, and the sea became smooth as glass. Now, that's an interesting thought right there, too. The sea became smooth as glass. I have been in windstorms, and, and you know, if you, you've probably never been in a hurricane. I've never been in a hurricane, but you see these people that have been in hurricanes, and the eye of the hurricane comes over them, and everything that was blowing over is now, it's just totally calm, you know, and their hair's not even, they're in the eye of the hurricane. And so, uh, you know, and I've seen that even here in the valley where at times we'll have horrific wind and the flag's standing straight out and then all of a sudden it goes limp and the wind stops. Now we've seen wind do that. That's not really unusual for wind to do that. But for waves to be created requires time for them because the wind blows them. It, it requires time after the wind sh shuts down for that wave to kind of calm down. But that's not what happened here. When Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, the wind stopped, but the waves became smooth as glass immediately. Immediately was the power of God. No wonder these disciples, they kind of looked back, or they looked at Jesus, they turned around and looked at him and said, who are you? Remember that in the story? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this man? Who is this person? He's not an ordinary prophet. Something's different about this particular man. Because everything obeys the word of his command. He is in control. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, the third thing that comes out of uh, Proverbs, this would be chapter 
3, verse 6, says that we are to acknowledge him. What does that mean? Acknowledging God means you're putting him first. So before you make a crucial decision with your life, you ask God about it. Before you make a decision, you ask God to direct you. You ask God about how you should, the the decisions you make. Carrie and I do this about every part of our life. Where we live, what home we buy, what car we buy. I may really want that Maserati. And see, and some people, they get, this, they get this faith gospel thing so messed up in their lives, they go out and they buy that and they say, hey, God, you've got a problem. You've got to pay for this. Well, it's not God's debt. You did it. And you did it without even asking him. Know what I'm saying? You've got to ask God for his direction. And there will be times that God will say no. Well, I don't want to hear that. I want to do it. But you follow what God wants you to do. That's what it means to acknowledge him. You make him Lord of your life. He directs your life. You may want to do something. You may want to go somewhere. But if God says no, then don't you do it. Don't you buy that thing. Don't you take that job. If he says no, you don't do it. You follow him. He's got a better plan. Now, when, when I say that you ask God to direct you, I'm not doing that. In, you don't do that in a goofy sense. Kind of like, I, 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 God is my witness. I know some believers who do this. They seek God over what color socks they're supposed to wear in the morning. And, you know, I, I, I just don't know what to do with people like that. I think he gave most of us a mind to figure that one out. In fact, someone said, when God is silent, he is often saying, use your brain. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. But when you acknowledge Jesus, you're making him Lord of your life. He's the boss. He calls the shots. He guides you, which means that you're welcoming him into every area of your life. And that, you know, Carrie and I live that way. We welcome each other into every area of our life. It's not like I say, well, I'm the husband, I'll do this, you know. Or she says, oh, I'm the wife, I control that. You know, we talk about it. We work it all together. And that, that's what God wants to have with us. Uh, this, this, it's not a religion. It's us connecting together in faith. So fear doesn't have to be your master in 2018. You can choose to trust. You can choose to lean. And you can choose to make Jesus Lord by acknowledging him and let him fix it for you. Secondly, I'm going to hurry here. God's fix for bad news. And it's kind of similar to what we just talked about with fear, but I see it being talked about here in verse number 10, where the angels came bringing this word, good, good news, that will bring great joy. They said, we've got good news that will bring great joy. Now, good news is obviously the opposite of bad news, isn't it? Most, in my opinion, most religion is bad news. It's the way I believe. Man-made rules don't usually encourage anybody. They make everybody feel guilty. Legalism usually beats us down, and it's often used by the rule makers to control people for their own purposes then. But the gospel is the good news. In fact, that's what the word gospel means. Did you know that? The gospel of Jesus Christ means the good news of Jesus Christ. What's the good news? The good news is what you are, you don't have to be tomorrow. Separated from God, you don't have to be that way for eternity. 
There's good news. You can be forgiven. You can be changed. You can have a new life and a new future for you. That's the good news about Jesus Christ. Now, I will tell you that I didn't grow up with that kind of understanding. I didn't. I grew up knowing Christ as Savior. I accepted him early in my life. But to me, I grew up believing that the gospel was kind of a standard that was so high, I could never reach it. I could never achieve it, you know. So it beat me down with guilt, and I always felt like a failure. I would never be good enough to God, and I would never measure up. That's the way I grew up, thinking, because that was what the gospel was to me, was a standard way up here that, that I could never achieve. But when I learned that the gospel is not that, that the gospel is the good news, that it was given to set me free, not to beat me down, I had a different perspective from that point on about my own life. And, and believe it or not, I had a different perspective about the ministry that God had called me into, what I'm supposed to be saying to you. Because I began to understand that my purpose as a pastor was not to make people feel guilty. What I began to understand is that people feel guilty enough because they know they're not in right relationship with God. They know it inside. They know it's not right. And so they don't, I don't need to make them feel guilty. They already do. My purpose as a pastor is to show people the way to get past their guilt and to find the joy that they've always wanted in a relationship with God. That's what Life Church is about. That's what I'm about because the gospel is the good news. Hallelujah. It's the good news. So... When, when God sent Jesus to be born in Bethlehem, he was, sending God's, he was sending good news in human flesh. Jesus is God's good news that you can have a relationship with God that will bring you peace and freedom from guilt that you've never known and you cannot know apart from him. So Jesus is God saying that you don't have to face 2018 with fear in your heart anymore. That's the good news for the here and now. That's what God wants to offer to you is a new year full of abundant life. And that's what he provides for us in Christ. But you know, it's also good news for eternity because none of us is going to live forever on this planet. The day will come when every single one of us will be put in the ground. And unless Jesus comes first and raptures you, you're, gonna, you're going to die. I'm really encouraging you today, aren't I? You're... What'd you learn at church? I'm going to die. I'm a dead man. Boy, I got to go back there next week. But here's what I want you to understand. We are all going to die. You do need to understand that. We all grow old. I don't care how much faith you have. You, you grow old. You can't beat that. That's part of the curse that we live with. But even though we die physically, it's not the end for us. It's just a transition for us. Jesus said in John 11, 25 and 26, if you're a follower of Christ, he says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. In fact, everyone who lives in me it, uh, and believes in me will never die. That means that whatever's life inside of you is going to keep on going even after you lay the shell of, of this physical being down and it's gone. It's grown old or whatever happens. After that, you're going to continue on in your existence with the Lord if you know Christ as your personal Savior. You know, we got this prayer request uh, given by one of our secretaries who has a personal friend. She's a 16-year-old young Christian woman uh, in Missouri, and she's dying of leukemia, and she only has a few weeks left. 
And, you know, we have taken that to prayer, and I can't imagine what her mom and dad, what her grandma and grandpa are going through, you know, her brothers and sisters and so forth, what she is struggling. I mean, we're just praying for healing over her. We're praying for strength in her body and, and for strength for that family, especially during this time of year. For have, you know, that, the, the world is not fair, is it? Life is not fair. It doesn't, things like this don't just happen at convenient times of the year. They happen all the time. It's because of the curse that's upon the world. But as tragic as all this is, there is a truth that this young woman knows and their, her family knows. They understand that whether this young woman dies at 16 or whether she gets healed and dies at 86 or somewhere in between there, physical death is not the end for her. When you have Christ as your savior, physical death is not the end. Some of you have lost your mates. Some of you have lost children. Some of you have lost parents. And you grieve that loss, and that's natural and normal. But I want you to know, if they knew Christ as their personal savior, they're on the other side waiting for you. And you're on your way, and you can know that in your heart. And I am not trying to be flippant this morning about the trial that this young woman or her family is going through. I just think it's important for all of us to be reminded that life on this planet is temporary and that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you can have hope in what is to come. That little baby was God's fix for all the bad news that comes our way in life. And the peace that gives is incredible. One last thing. Christmas is God's fix for rejection. In verses 13 and 14, right after the angel finished talking to those shepherds, the Bible said, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others and armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Another way of thinking about God's pleasure when I read that, God, I said, God, I want to be pleased. I want to be pleasing unto you. I want you to be pleased with me. Another way of thinking about God's pleasure is, is with the word God's favor. In fact, the Greek word that is translated pleased in the New Living Translation that we, that we had up there just a moment ago actually means it's translated favor in the New International Version of the Bible. And so this is the way the NIV says that verse, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his, what? Favor rests. What that's promising is that God's peace will fill the life of a person who has God's favor resting on them. Did you, see, did you hear that? God's peace will be on those who have God's favor. So as a believer, Maybe you've been rejected because of your faith in Christ. I know it hurts, but it's okay because you have the favor of God upon you. And, and maybe the doctor has told you that there's no hope and there's no cure. And again, I'm not being flippant about that, but I want you to know it's okay because you have the favor of God on your life. And a business associate 
may rob you, may walk out on you and rob the assets of the company and take them away from you and leave you with virtually nothing. But neither he nor the company is your source and your supply. You have the favor of God upon you. Hallelujah. And your kids, they might be in rebellion right now against God and against you, but because God's favor is resting upon your life, you have the ability to pray the Spirit of God all over them, whether they want it or not. God's fix for whatever rejection comes your way is simply this, his favor. And because of God's favor, I want to leave you with this verse, Romans 8, 37. Despite all these things, Paul said, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Hallelujah. And so the victory, it comes to us through the Christmas child who was born those 2,000 years ago. And God said, the world's broken, I'm going to fix it. Here's my son. But he's saying to every single one of us individually, you broken? I'm going to fix it. I'll fix it for you. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.